0: Setting up Stripe was a breeze, taking just minutes to get up and running. From local markets to global retailers, Stripe helped me expand my reach and grow my business with ease. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone.
2: Daily Tech News Show is powered by you. To find out more, head to dailytechnewshow.com slash support. Sunday, May 21st, or is it Tuesday, May 21st, or by the time you're listening to this in Australia, it might be Wednesday, May 23rd. From Australia, I'm Tom Merritt, and uh, joining me, uh, very happy to have Peter Wells, reporter for The Age.
3: Hello, Tom. Uh, Good to have you here, mate.
2: Thank you for for having me. Uh, Also, Raj DiYoot, editor of Reckoner. Hello, how are you? Good, good. Thanks thanks for joining me, man. No problems. At a, a decent hour for all of us
4: very happy that it's a decent hour for a change mm, it it has actually just turned happy hour here we've,
2: yeah which, we've already
4: got
3: the
2: beers out we do we it's uh, it's a beer friday on a tuesday which is some people's Monday and will soon be Wednesday. Uh, Yeah, for those of you, I have decided now, I was thinking about this. uh, There was a lot of confusion over when today's episode was going to come out because we're doing it afternoon Melbourne time. And afternoon Melbourne time is like midnight uh, in Pacific time or 11 p.m. or something like that. Uh, And so you'll end up actually kind of getting two episodes on a Tuesday uh, for for those in the, the other hemisphere, that other hemisphere over there that we're not in, that now doesn't matter to me suddenly because I'm not in it. Um, uh, but it made me think, a lot of people in the U.S. listen to Daily Tech News Show the next morning because it comes out in the afternoon mm-hmm. and they're like, oh, well, I'll just listen to it on the way in. I've you know, i noticed how it is definitely a morning show in Australia because it records about 4 a.m., so by the time you get up and get ready, it's it's the perfect morning show. So really we should be introducing... DTNS with the next day's date yeah, or your days of date.
4: DTNS is like my morning riding to the train. Yeah. I ride ride to work on the train. Like, yeah, these are the headlines. Oh, these are the headlines I'm going to talk about today on, on Recono or somewhere else. <laughs> it's a very informative service that I use, Tom.
2: Now, I'm sure Sarah and Roger will stop me, but I'm going to decide to always use Australian dates from now on.
4: <laughs> excellent, excellent. Yeah,
2: but that won't work. Uh, well, welcome everybody to our roundtable uh, show. It's a little bit different. Usually we do these on Fridays at the end of the month Uh, but because i was going to be in australia uh, the timing worked out for us to do it a little bit earlier and it's the show we do once a month where we expand the regular show into a full-fledged roundtable discussion we do a full hour of discussion while uh, we cover all of the topics of the news of the day in those discussions we will still start with a few tech things you should know Sources tell Reuters that the U.S. and China are near to a deal to remove the order banning the U.S. from supplying ZTE. That deal may involve China removing tariffs on agricultural goods from the U.S., but that might mean ZTE would unpause its business.
3: Mm, uh I, I don't know the format. Sorry, am I allowed to discuss yeah. a little bit?
2: Yeah. Well, you can. You, one, one or two lines, sure. Yeah.
3: Yeah. Well, it, it just uh, this is actually a big deal for us as well because everything you do um, becomes a trade deal between us, and so ZTE is now no longer available here, and that that's actually a lot of the uh, the phones that say your Telstra and your Optus sell unbranded are ZTE handsets. So uh, I know a lot of people at Telstra particularly are scrambling over this news. Yeah. Take the next one. Uh, Intel and Microsoft disclosed Monday that a new method of exploiting the Spectre and Meltdown security flaw has been discovered. Intel calls it variant 4, classified as a medium risk, and it has been see- seen in the wild, and a fix has been made available to manufacturers. It is not. It has be- not. That's an important yeah, yeah. <laughs> typo there that I got at.
2: <laughs> uh Facebook announced that its project Terragraph, which aims to connect neighborhoods and businesses with gigabit wireless, will begin field tries in 2019 in Budapest. And Kuala Lumpur, Telegraph is designed to replace fiber and cable broadband, not replace Wi-Fi. It's not like a home thing. Uh, it's a neighborhood thing. It uses 60 gigahertz technology from Qualcomm and 802.11AY, which is the successor of 802.11AD.
4: Just for the Aussies, we say Kuala Lumpur. Kuala Lumpur? Yeah.
2: All right. I'll do that. <laughs> how do the people in Colombia feel about that? That's, that's just how it is, Tom. All right, all right, all right, all right. I got it.
3: <laughs> Microsoft launched SharePoint Spaces, a way to view company—oh, god—a way to view company documents in mixed reality headsets, as well as a standard web browser. A new point-and-click interface makes it easy to build the experiences. As well, examples include a 360 video to familiarize employees with the campus, 3D product prototype de- demonstrations, and more exciting visualizations of
2: Excel data. Yeah, no, that was the best one right Mm. there. I've
3: actually been to a Microsoft event where they had the the virtual uh, room set up. And it was basically like walking around Tony Stark's apartment, but there were Excel spreadsheets on the wall. And I just thought, who who would want this experience?
2: (laughs) They had like a map with the data arising out of the regions. And it's very Mm. impressive uh google removed the main instance phrase don't be evil from its code of conduct sometime in late april or early may the phrase has been google's unofficial motto and part of the code of conduct since 2000 uh with a long description out of it saying this is why you shouldn't be evil this is what that means now all the things about why you shouldn't be evil and what it means are still there it's the phrase that disappeared the phrase hasn't entirely been expunged though it is mentioned still in the final line of the code of conduct document uh that line is don't be evil and if you see something that you think isn't right speak up so it's kind of just bad pr more than anything i don't know why it disappeared
3: yeah that's what i was going to say i mean once you are known as the company that has don't be evil in your Mm -hmm. in your code of conduct or whatever it was in your motto um you can't take that away. You just you, There's no way you can take that away without everyone reading into that.
2: Yeah, I, f- I feel like it was a mistake mm. that somebody who didn't realize edited yeah. the document or something. Weird.
3: Uh, Chinese regulators approved the sale of Toshiba's chip unit uh, to Bain Capital. Toshiba Memory is the number two producer of NAND chips in the world. All antitrust approvals have now been received.
2: That was a that's a big deal. China was holding up, and it was looking like they may not be able to sell that. It's a big deal for Toshiba because of Westinghouse bringing them down. So that's 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 another uh, that's another significant move in the whole Chinese tariffs international trade relations situation. Uh finally, the website finder.com.au says its survey shows the average amount spent on a mobile plan in Australia has declined from $48 a month to $44 a month. The drop is attributed to fewer people paying off the cost of their handset as part of a mobile bundle. 26% of Australians uh were on a mobile bundle this past year down from 36% last year.
3: That makes total sense to me from the from the people I know. Um, I, I think that you know the main bell curve, uh, the main people in that bell are probably still just on a two-year plan and they, they upgrade when their two-year plan ends. Uh, but I know a lot of people on the sides there, that the kind of nerds who upgrade all the time, have totally gone prepaid and, and have moved to buying their own devices outright. And then on the other side of that spectrum, there are the people who are just holding on to their iPhone 6 or whatever it was because it's still a very good device and, and they've taken that opportunity to drop down to a lower tariff.
2: Yeah, I, I, mean, I do it with my mom where i send the phone that i've been using to her because i always buy it unlocked and it gives me that flexibility i don't have to worry about it being locked or unlocked or anything it's always mine i've paid it off because i buy it uh, outright and then i can buy a new one myself and it's always fun to watch the accounts catch up as we move the sim card Mm -hmm. it'll be a couple months where it'll be like we don't know what device you're on and then they'll finally figure it out somehow Mm -hmm. (laughs) <laughs> All right, uh, let's start with our food. We've got two uh, patron-suggested d- discussions that we're going to do today. Uh, the first was suggested by Alan Char. He asks, how deadly are the creatures in Australia, really? Uh, then says, more seriously, in what ways does Australia's proximity to Asia affect Australian tech? On his first question, I've not yet been killed. I've been here a week and a half.
4: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, we do have quite the selection of deadly sort of animals around. Um, uh, where I grew up, we had grey-white sharks. There's also red back spiders. And the brown belly... No, the brown snake. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. The, the brown snake, which are three of the most dangerous... Animals in the world, Uh, they're they're pretty uh, prolific when it comes to the top 10 of deadliest animals. I grew up regularly having redback spiders in my woodshed, Mm -hmm. uh, and um, I tragically went to school with people that were taken by great white sharks. Oh, wow. Yeah. So it it isn't um, the most ridiculous concept (laughs) Uh, I don't I shouldn't you, laugh. So. Yeah. I don't go in the ocean personally. <laughs> well, we have show we have great whites in California as
2: well. Yeah, but yours it seems the, like
4: they're not the, right, your, they're not yeah. the same. <laughs> the, come on, somehow <laughs> oh, yours are worse. Well, I where, where I grew up is a migration point for oh, okay. great white sharks. So a place called Port Lincoln. So it's um, they are very common there, and people travel from around the world specifically to go uh, cage diving <laughs> with great white sharks. Wow! So it, it's known as a um, as a point to go see them, but. Yeah there's a there's a lot of stuff around that'll kill you here but it's not it's not like the walking down the street no. with you they I haven't have even seen a wombat. Mm. Uh,
2: well, <laughs> the deadliest thing I've encountered was a magpie going off way too early in the morning.
4: Uh, well they will they will hurt you magpies. Yeah. They swoop you. I've had Cuts on my head as a child from them swooping, or if you're a cyclist going to work during um, nesting season, they will savage you, a magpie.
3: <laughs> anyway, so come down. It's a, it's a great place to visit. Um, to
4: visit. <laughs> That's it for the Australian Tourism <laughs> Board. Yeah,
3: yeah. Now for the second part of the question. <laughs> um, I think, sadly, I, I wish we were more integrated in Asia in terms of tech. Um, I, I think there are many opportunities there that we're missing out on that um, is probably due to kind of a political... Uh, thing. And not a specific political party or anything, but just a, a kind of a, a strange holdback of, of whatever is is promoting that. I, I don't want to get too far into politics. Well,
2: it, it seems like you should have an influence because you're so close to China and Indonesia. Mm. Uh, but... Proximity in geography is not the same as proximity in trade relations or or whatever. In, in the psychographic space, Australia is much closer to the United States and Europe, right?
3: Mm, absolutely, and, and and I think that's one of the reasons why uh, one of the benefits that uh, Asian companies see in Australia is that they they there, there are quite a few Asian companies that will use Australia as a kind of test bed um, for their products and also uh, to test kind of how their marketing message works in a US, uh, in a Western. Uh, Market because you know we're a very small market, so you can make mistakes here and it doesn't really impact too much. Um, But we're even though we're a small market, we're a very you know highly developed market. We we buy a lot of tech. We're very early adopters, according to all of the studies we see. You know we tend to buy phones faster than anyone else in the world, and
2: we tend to. Even Uh, as expensive as they are, yeah, yeah,
3: yeah, yeah, Uh, yeah, we we do love our tech down here. So so we we become, I think, a very good A B testing market for those kind of things as well. So you see, see brands like Huawei and Oppo kind of trying here first, and Mm -hmm. then whatever works here kind of gets exported out. And they'll even do it. So Oppo, for instance, will do. You know, they 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 did a whole marketing campaign based around a, a European football team here. Then they once it worked here, they took it to that that team's region. So yeah, it's a re, it's a really interesting. Kind yeah, of test pad. Yeah. Just because there are so many expats and stuff right. that live it, in
4: Australia, there are enough people worked.
2: following it that they're like, oh, I'm interested. Yeah, yeah. exactly, exactly.
4: Hmm. So so it's that kind of stuff. I don't know, Raj. Yeah, it's it's also a frustrating dichotomy being so geographically close to Asia, because we we quite often see the. Uh, the Australian tax on things—we're so close. We have, we do have really good trade relations with China, especially for our uranium <laughs> and things like that. Um, but it—it uh, it, it often means that even though you know you buy a custom-to-order Mac, for example, it gets built and created in Asia and shipped out from that. But you are effectively paying the US price converted plus a little extra. Mm. And it is quite frustrating from a consumer standpoint being here and being so close that we are paying extra uh, on top of what the regular conversion might be because Mm. the products are built... And the shipping arrangements are catered for U.S. companies, not for Australia.
3: Yeah, and, and Sydney is closer to Shenzhen than uh, L.A., but, yeah, we still pay more.
2: That, yeah, that, I was talking with somebody about that earlier this week and how, how we were trying to figure out why that is – uh, because yeah the, theoretically it should be much cheaper to ship something here cuz you know, just write down the you know little I, I guess it's farther south than it looks on the globe but it's still closer than LA right well,
4: perth which is the most isolated capital city in the world is actually closer to singapore than any australian capital city yeah so why <laughs> why perth why
2: should, should have the cheapest singapore electronics
4: you should be able to <laughs> have buy anywhere peng- outside of Singapore for pennies yeah. in perth but you can't
2: well, is that and, – and I think you mentioned that, but it's because all of the it's, – it's the economy of scale, right? Mm. They're set up to send everything to North America or Europe uh, and you just don't have as much demand – because of the population in Australia is not as large. Is that why?
3: Uh, I, I think it's also just uh, a company like Apple famously um, will, you know, build everything around the U.S. market. Mm-hmm. So it'll be the the marketing is built around the U.S. market, but also the pricing. And so, um, you know, a company like Apple will price the iPad in U.S. dollars and then whatever that price is, it, it, like products can fluctuate so much in this country based on how well the Australian Dollar is doing, and not actually how it's doing at the time, but how Apple's uh, accountants think, project. yeah, project it will or be trying doing. trying to do over it, the, kind over of steer against it, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah, yeah. So, so like you know, one year the iPad might be uh, four hundred and sixty dollars. The next year it might be five hundred and twenty, um, based on just what what they see in the market's yeah. moving.
2: Well, and Europe is kind of your control factor there because even though they build around the U.S. market, they do uh, – it's not as expensive in Europe as it is in Australia, relatively speaking. It doesn't seem like it, like it is. But then when Brexit happened, you saw them start to do the same steering with the pound because there, there was more volatility there.
3: Yeah, I mean I think it all kind of balances out. We do pay – our – General take-home pay is actually quite high uh, when you look at it that way. So, mm-hmm. yeah, we do pay – a lot of that would be coming in as tax as well. Some of the, the kind of Australia tax that you see is actual Australia tax. Yeah, right. Um, but that right. – you know, we make it up in the fact that our wages are probably a little bit higher.
2: There's no New Zealand headquarters that they can get around? No. Yeah. no. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, well, I think we'll move on to our second patron-suggested topic. Uh, this is from Mike Weissman who asks, could you discuss how Australians view net neutrality and how does their government regulate the Internet? Now, I'm very curious to hear what you guys think of the whole net neutrality debate in the U.S., but then I think it gives us a nice window to talk about MBD and Telstra and and how things have differed here in general too.
4: Yeah, well, our government sort of has – uh, a take on net neutrality by enforcing a terrible network that the Australian <laughs> people have to use. Yes, exactly. It gives us a doorway right there, yeah. doesn't it? Yeah. <laughs> Straight into it. Uh, the MBN, yeah. Uh, no, look, that's not true. Net neutrality... NBN, yeah. Yeah, MB, yeah Sorry. National Broadband Network, um, which is a government-funded... Infrastructure scheme to allow uh, originally to al- put fibre to everyone's home. Every home in Australia would have a fibre connection. That's then changed over the years with the change of government. Anyway, talked about that a lot on on many many Australian podcasts. But uh, net neutrality is a, a different one. I, I guess we see it. Uh, from from afar and we see what's happening in the US and um, it is quite scary in terms of the, the, the change because a lot of Australian policy and a lot of stra- Australian infrastructure is decided or influenced on by um, what happens in the US and if that is net neutrality in the US then there's a very good chance that it's going to be rolled out over here. Um, We're seeing different things around uh, mandatory metadata collection by internet providers in Australia as a security um, implementation that the government has enforced now um, and doing a whole sort of range of different things. very very much bordering on the net neutrality sense. So I I wouldn't be surprised if we start hearing sort of rumblings or or talkings of it in the next five years or so, that that's the way that it will go if it eventuates in the US. Um, But we don't really know how it's – well, I don't really know how it's going to affect us in terms of accessing US services from here as well. Like, does that mean that our wholesale partners that have uh, Pacific cables that go across to the US will be pulling down data because the endpoint on the West Coast has agreements with the bigger providers? Or does that mean that the, the they retain that sort of even playing field and everything's just piped out at the same speed? Like, that that sort of stuff hasn't really been conveyed and the, the general Australian public, I don't think, even knows what net neutrality is. And it's, uh, it's also a confusing talk point from you know, is net neutrality a good thing or a bad thing? People just hear the words net neutrality. They don't know, like, the, the sometimes the word neutrality is a bit uh, obfuscated in a mm-hmm. way that it doesn't really stand out that, no, net neutrality is, is kind of what you want. You want this even playing field, but people uh, just sort of see a headline or don't really understand it. Um, so I don't think we're generally educated in it over here. A lot of us technical in, technically inclined people are. But um, it's, it's all a bit of a wait and see type of uh, situation for us. And hopefully uh, it, it doesn't come out in the US. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I think, you know, the, or the loss of it.
2: We, we, without getting too far down the rabbit hole of net neutrality again, because there are so many different opinions on it, and we've done shows about it uh, before. But the upshot is uh, if you have enough competition, in, in markets that do, net neutrality is often not a problem. So in Korea, for instance, the government has taken the role of fostering competition, of making it easy for multiple fiber operators to run fiber into a particular building. And they that net neutrality isn't a concern then because – Anybody who changes how they manage traffic risks losing customers if they do it in a way the customers don't like, right? Uh, and and then we see other systems like in England where they they've done you know open loop bundles, saying you know we're, all we're going to do is say if you build the network you have to open it to competition. Uh, in the U.S., what what's happening is they're saying we don't want regulation, but we also don't want to foster competition. Yeah. So you're kind of getting the worst of both worlds. What's it like in Australia with the national broadband network? It's not the only option for people mm. and it's kind of government run, but not
3: Well it's supposed to be the the government run side of things is supposed to be the the pipes, um the, the backhaul and you know uh mm. that then a retailer um
2: or a reseller would then sell you the internet package. Over those so the tops. government lays the the, the cables exactly. and then says we'll charge you to get access and then you build your business on it. Exactly, okay. exactly.
3: Um, and you know, I, I think net neutrality, first of all, as you know, as Raj said, it's a terrible term. It needs better marketing. It has done for years, but um, yeah, I, I don't think it's ever really kind of grabbed the attention of Australians as it should have. Um, And I I think part of that is because there really has never been really net neutrality in this country anyway, which is really sad. Like in the sense of, um, you know, like I – where I've just moved into, uh, I only have the option of ADSL. There is no higher – yeah, there is no cable. Um, I, I finally did find a, a wireless internet provider, um, which is a whole another story. But you don't have fiber. Uh, but no, we don't have fiber. We don't have uh, just even HFC uh, coaxial. Is it
2: supposed to come to your neighborhood it's, someday? It, is that yeah,
3: when we moved in, it was supposed to come in March, and now mm-hmm. it's I think June, June next year. Um, but yeah, it's, it's it's just one of those things. So I, I know when I hear Americans on various shows uh, talking about, well, I've only got the one choice in my area, what they mean is I only have the one choice of cable in my area. Um, We don't normally even have the choice of cable. We have ADSL or nothing. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I think that has kind of, you know, has blunted the argument a little bit anyway. It's like, well, my internet sucks. Like, who cares? Like, you know, how could they make it any worse? You know, so uh, it's like that scene in Life of Brian, if you know what I'm talking about. But um, it's... It's just a yeah. It's a it's a strange situation. And then on, on the other side, we have like on the on the mobile devices, we have really really strong competition. But we have those like people have just accepted a lot of those zero rating stuff that I know. Say Patrick Bajor, uh has issues with. Um, so, for instance, if you're on Telstra, you get the AFL for free. If you're on Optus, you get soccer, the the Premier League for free. If you're on Vodafone, you get Netflix for free. Now, is this on your wired
2: there. or on your wireless? Wireless. wireless. Yeah, on okay. your se- we have stuff, similar but. things. Like Verizon will give you the NFL mm-hmm. if you're on yeah stuff like yeah. that. So yeah, okay.
3: So it's it's a, a weird one. I mean, so where do you where do you sit with that? I Do feel comfortable with about the paid the zero priorities, ra- the
2: zero rating thing? Yeah, which is yeah, a very, what, it's
3: a different. thing. It's like slightly. It's
2: it's funny because like in India. Facebook ran into like stiff opposition to zero rating in India. They're like, no, zero rating is a violation of net neutrality, and and the general populace will not allow it. And they had to pull out of India with their free basics because the idea of free basics was without charging you data, we'll give you access to Wikipedia, BBC News, Facebook, etc. And in India, they said that is choosing what information we get. Mm-hmm. And Facebook's argument was like, yeah, but it's free. And the idea isn't to control messages. The idea is to give you a little bit of the internet uh, so that when you start to see the value of it or maybe it will help you build a business or whatever or get a job, then you'll be able to afford to pay for full internet. And the idea was never to keep people on free basics but to move them into, into to paid. In Africa, that's worked great. In Africa, people love that. They're like, Yes, this is awesome. We we get some free internet and when I can afford it I'll I'll upgrade. So I don't think there is a moral absolute on zero rating. Mm-hmm. I think it has to do with how it's implemented. And again, my I've been pounding this drum for ten years now, but my whole Response to net neutrality is if you have effective competition, it's irrelevant. Mm. the The best way to to make sure there's net neutrality is to make sure people have a choice. And if somebody says, "Hey, we're gonna you know prioritize our own movie system and Netflix's gonna be slow, so you should switch to ours," people will just get rid of that internet service provider and go to the one that gives you Netflix. Mm. Um, Comcast, the few times that they have violated net neutrality in the United States, bowed down to public pressure. And still, without saying, well, it wasn't a violation. We were just, we weren't snooping for BitTorrent packets, but just that much made them bow out. Imagine if they could actually switch to something yeah, viable. Yeah. So, I, to me, zero rating is like, well, I think it's fine if you have a balanced playing field where people can decide. Yeah, I don't like that that zero rating thing. Uh, but I don't like that if it's unchecked, it does allow the carriers to start to pick winners and losers. And the whole beauty of the Internet was that anybody could access it and start something.
3: And I think, um, you know, the best way to look at that is is to actually even go further up and say it's not just about net neutrality um, when it comes to competition. It's how capitalism works. Like capitalism is a f- – okay fine system i'll, I'll go for fine because it's an american show um <laughs> capitalism is a fine system when there is competition but when there is not a natural competition in place then you need regulations or you need yeah. something to balance it out because uh we've seen in markets where someone holds an a, a very large part of the market they're less likely to improve they're less likely to worry about um losing customers because yeah. they don't have that they don't have that Worry,
2: And I, I look at my view on net neutrality as almost populist too because I'm not focused on what's good for companies. I don't care what's good for companies in, in this particular argument. I care what's good for me. And what's good for me is having choices that I can punish the one who does something I don't like, right? Yeah.
3: And that, that's why I really yeah. appreciate our our phone networks here, at least in terms of the cellular side of things. Um, I've I've switched uh, phone companies all the time. Like I, I'm I'm not loyal to my companies at all. If someone's offering a better deal, I'm happy to walk away. And because our system makes it so easy to just immediately port your number, and two hours later, all of all of your uh, you know your phone is working again. It's back online and. Um, and there's no, you know, I, I never get a, a ding for breaking a contract or anything else. That makes them work really hard to keep me.
2: And, it, it, yeah. Yeah, it makes a difference.
4: The, the only other thing I'll add is that um, really with the MBN going back to Australia and that, we should have the most net neutral country in the world. If we've got a, an infrastructure, theoretically, right? theoretically yeah. that is controlled by the government, it is provided by the government, provides an equal playing field for every internet provider in the country who wants to operate in the country, it's the same pricing, the same infrastructure, the same delivery network. We should have the most neutral network in the world. But it's being thrown out of proportion and whack because of the ridiculous pricing that they have on the wholesaling. The It's coming in, it's being fixed, but very... Slowly and poorly, um, and then the the constant change to technology requirements or the multi technology mix that the governments um, that's putting into place because one said they could do it cheaper than the other, and they got elected, and it all changed, and it all upheaval. So, but theoretically, the the original promise of the national broadband network and fibre to every home in Australia, except for a very small portion of rural regional Australia, which cannot in any way, in shape or fashion, have fibre, should have provided the most net neutral. Network in the world. Sadly, that's not the case.
2: Well, and, and, the, and the reason is. It's hard to have a neutral network when there's one person in charge of it, right? And mm. in, th- in this case, the, the one person was the government. Mm. But the government—it wasn't a violation of net neutrality the way we think of, which is, oh, Telstra decided to, to downgrade Netflix so that you know they could push their own video, or Foxtel got in and and, and you know published their video ahead. That's usually what people think of—is like, oh, you'll you'll slow down the competition. But what happened here was just a different sort of like well we're in charge so we're not going to do all the things that need to be done politics. to create an effective network and not even not even because they necessarily wanted to do it that way but because of politics meaning the person who started the project was not the person who carried it on and then they changed their mind and yeah, yeah. And so there is a danger to having one entity running it uh, which is actually why Korea – I go back to Korea all the time and I know people say, well, Korea smaller. It's like, well, great. Then do it in Massachusetts or, or do it just in Melbourne. Like do it in a small yeah. region. But, but that way of saying the government's job is to make it easy to start an ISP and easy to implement it and run it and and provide the right of way and all of that and then get out of it and let people do it.
3: Actually that's why everyone's moving to Hobart because it was yeah? one of the first places that got the NBN and it it is a beautiful city. It's very small and it is fiber everywhere. It's a, it's a paradise.
2: That's on Tasmania? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
3: Mm-hmm. Oh, and also amazing whiskey.
2: Yeah? Huh. I I always identify Hobart with the big dishwashing machine we had at college because it was a Hobart dishwashing machine i don't know if that's any connection though probably not but that's what i think of is a huge dishwashing machine and now i I, now i have a much better image for the word hobart which is a beauty land of flowing broadband Uh, and whiskey yeah you got me i maybe maybe i should just move to hobart and do the show from there i'm thinking about it man yeah yeah it sounds quite enticing how many things kill you in Hobart?
3: Nothing. Yeah, it's way too cold. All of the, all of the stuff that will kill you. The Tasmanian devils aren't that
2: devilish. Nah, they're they're nah, almost nah. extinct, yeah, they're, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. sadly. So. Do they have
3: snakes? Look, we'll, we'll talk about snakes later.
2: <laughs> <laughs> the Tasmanian tourist board is getting <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, We'll talk about snakes later. All right. Uh, anything else on, on this topic before we move on?
3: No, that's no, fine. I think...
2: All right, let's talk, uh, Raj, about what you were, were wanting to bring up. Uh, oh, yeah,
4: what, what's your topic for the round? Three? I'm just going to steal the mic away from you. Yeah, sure, completely. sure. Uh, I just want—I was just going to talk about E3. It's coming up. We're uh, a little under three weeks away. I'm heading over to the. Wondrous land of the home, the, what home Los of the free? Angeles, yeah, home of the free, <laughs> home of the free, <laughs> and the other, land yeah. of the brave, land of the free, and the home of the brave. Yeah, that yeah. one. Oh, we're yeah. heading over there. That's where you're from, Tom, mm. uh, to Los Angeles for the electronic something entertainment, right? entertainment, entertainment expo. expo. Yeah. Thank you. I should know that. This is my fifth year or something. There, uh, it's it's turning into a bit of a. Um, Carnival, I think E3, it opened up for the public last year. Yeah, changed significantly with that move. There's only a limited number of spots, but it's it's definitely changed the way that the um, the expo runs. Uh, second year round running, they've sold out obviously of all those tickets, which I think were around 250 US a pop. So not not that cheap. But then if you weren't media or invited anyway, it was about a thousand dollars to go. Um, and uh, it, it's it's this weird sort of game with E3 now of the companies trying to almost beat it in a way, to to run their own show independent of it, make the announcements leading up to it. Uh, we've had announcements from uh, EA, from Activision, from uh, Nintendo, all well ahead of E3 um, and and really control their own message this, in a similar way to Apple's been doing for years where they can have their own show and run their own... own um, uh, Game away from the big conventions, yeah, so yeah. they can they can really sort of stamp their own ground.
2: Well, and so what Sony is not going to do anything but show off a limited number of games. They should no hardware announcements.
4: Yeah, right? well, to be fair, Sony have got so much of the market right now they could basically not show up. Yeah, <laughs> and then they run their own sort of uh, PlayStation Experience events. They run one in the northern hemisphere or two in the northern hemisphere actually. Um, so they they're really running their own gambit in their own way as well they just sort of figure, well, oh, we may as well show up. They're probably booked ahead for the next three years anyway. Yeah. Um, but, you know, one of the most recent announcements coming up, leading up to E3, was Activision with a very popular uh, Call of Duty franchise, um, which is gets a release every year. It switches back and forth between um, one development house and another, so they're on a two-year cycle of each of them. But this year's is jumping on the wonderful... Uh, Train of battle royale games. So your Fortnites, your PlayerUnknown Battlegrounds, your H1Z1 before all the others. um, With the new Blackout uh, battle royale campaign, well, they don't really, um, they haven't given many details other than to say that that's the name of it and it's coming. Their announcement was literally to turn off the lights at the event um, because it was a blackout. Um, So (laughs) interesting, clever, yeah, interesting way of doing it, Uh, and. Um, obviously, Fortnite is this huge phenomenon at the moment. I, I was at a, a, a baptism on the weekend, and every parent there was talking about how their kids are addicted to Fortnite. It's, it, it's
2: that generation's Minecraft, right? Yeah, yeah, like exactly. Minecraft, Minecraft kids have grown up now. they right. starting to I, go
4: to college. And every single parent I talked to was saying, oh, well, you know, I can't get them off this thing. I said, well, this is just this generation's Minecraft. Like yeah. Five years ago, it was exactly the same thing with Minecraft. The argument was, well, Minecraft didn't have them running around shooting things. Well, it kind of did. <laughs> it depends how they played it. So, But anyway, so the, the new Call of Duty is coming out with the version of Battle Royale. And we're seeing more and more of Battle Royale clones coming out, more and more multiplayer. The new Call of Duty has no single-player campaign whatsoever. It's purely focused on multiplayer, zombie maps, the normal Call of Duty stuff, the... Um, uh, Battle Royale mode that's being introduced.
2: Well, Battle Royale. I mean, Fortnite. Uh, I'm sorry, Epic Games itself announced that they're going to sink 100 million in dollars e- into Fortnite million. esports competitions. Yeah. It feels like that is an important thing for new games to have is an esports strategy. Like definitely, how it can be used for esports. Yeah, now. And Blizzard I'm... was part of that with Overwatch, but that's that's been a growing trend.
4: Yeah, well, esports is obviously one of the biggest and and uh, fastest growing markets in the world right now. Like we're we're seeing. Uh, real world, uh, you know, sports like in Australia, Fox Sports is covering esports. We've got um, bookmakers like Gfinity's run uh, in out of the UK, focusing on esports. I, you cannot release a big tri- AAA game these days without having an, an esports sort of element to it or the potential for one yeah. to have. Um, but because of all this, because of things like esports, because of things like um, Battle Royale and the, the the money that these things are making, we are seeing less. Effort and less story-driven um, titles come out. Uh, there, there was God of War, which recently came out, was one of uh, was critically acclaimed, and and um, my review of that is still forthcoming. It's coming. It's coming I promise. Uh, I finished writing it yesterday. Um, it, it it's one of the few.
1: To find out if it's right for you,
3: the Claude 3 model family from Anthropic is your one stop shop for enterprise AI.
0: With models at every point on the price performance curve, you no longer have to make trade offs between intelligence, speed, and cost. Claude 3 Opus sets new industry benchmarks for
3: intelligence. Sonnet
0: Stripe helped me expand my reach and grow my business with ease. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone.
4: Things we're, we're seeing less and less of these story-driven things and more of the multiplayer experience because they're the ones making money. They're the ones that capturing people. They're the ones that have the longevity of, of, and they can keep adding seasons or colors or skins or loot boxes and all these different things. And sadly, it's at the detriment of storytelling. Yeah. Um, and And... I for one want the storytelling. It, it, it's hard to it's hard to sell a game though at US sixty dollars or one hundred and nine dollars or whatever it is here that doesn't have that longevity anymore because these are these are free to play games like Fortnite. So what do you do? Like, how, how, are we going to lose this? Is it going to be gone forever? Do we have to rely on indie games? Like, it's quite sad to see this sort of tilt shifting and games like God of War or Horizon Zero Dawn last year or. Um, the Last of Us, which is probably an, another massive one from Sony that's coming out, but that will have multiplayer. Like, where do we see this going? Like, I, I, I don't want to see the death of single player or campaign driven games.
2: I mean, generally, the history of gaming is the trend. Is started by something successful, and, and it's just like movies, right? And so everybody starts making the vampire movie. Everybody starts making the first person shooter, or the multi, uh, the MMORPG, or, or now it's the pub, it's the PUBG bandwagon. Uh, but it, it doesn't kill the other types of games. What it does is it forces someone, sometimes indie, sometimes not, uh, in my opinion, anyway, to to jump in and say, you know, we're going to do this other style really good. Uh, and we're going to do this really well uh and you get things like the last of us you 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 get these very creative takes on it so i don't think it's the death of single player i think what it is 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 the valley right we're going to have to go yeah. through this valley of all the game companies putting all their intention on on battlegrounds and esports uh until somebody pops up and says well hey wait a minute you know i i can do this it, it kind of relates to the net neutrality conversation right it, it would be a problem If all you had was EA... (laughs) <laughs> and it's like, and now they're just doing battlegrounds, and it'd be like, great. Well, now nobody. But because we have so many different gaming companies, it may take a little while for it to shake out. But we'll get something else. That's my feeling
3: anyway. Yeah, and it's it's you know, if you if you look at that that um, the movie kind of analogy, uh, you know, the cinema goes through these periods as well. Every every couple of years, you hear that uh, cinema cinema is dead, and the the um, adult contemporary movie is dead, and no one's going to see those kind of films. And then then a ladybird comes out, and right. everyone goes and sees. Yeah, and, yeah. You know? So you're waiting for the gaming equivalent of Lady Bird to come out, but we've still got, like, four more Marvel Universe Ladybird Lady maybe.
2: Bird, the video game. <laughs>
0: maybe that's it. <laughs> no,
3: it's, First-person it's Lady not Bird. Yeah, person. yeah, it'll be fantastic. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so, I, I mean, I'm totally with you. Like, I think one of the worst things to happen to Rockstar was GTA 5 and the fact that it, still, it, it made more money last year than any other entertainment franchise on the planet. It made more money than Marvel um, for a game that came out four years ago, maybe five years ago. Yeah. Um, and it's still just making money on online. And it, it, the online experience is awful. I can't stand it. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, I mean, Rockstar used to be that, that publisher that I would I would wait. And, and I, I would go to midnight launches of their games because I couldn't wait to play the next story. And, and even GTA Five story was pretty kind of crap. But, but I think that's, that's one of those really interesting things where you see – like, I, I saw my Twitter, at least my Twitter that I follow – go nuts when the Red Dead Redemption trailer came out, because it was like, oh my god, a story, finally, another story, like, you know, there, there are ones that come out like Fire Cry, that try, Far Cry have never been good at telling stories, like, they've, they've had good characters, but they've never actually held it together in a narrative, whereas, yeah, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I'm, I'm totally with you, I, I really love those experiences, like a, like a Last of Us, like a, a, a st- well, like the original Red Dead, I cried at the end of the original Red
2: Dead. <laughs> I couldn't believe it. Well, both of those, I've heard people say that, you know, there were so such moving stories that they, mm-hmm. they teared up about. Yeah,
4: yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah I, I, uh, Red Dead Redemption 2, fingers crossed, will be amazing. But <clears throat> I, I think the the uh, the sentiment that I am getting from some of these single-player campaigns, like, again, God of War, because it's recent and it's relevant, but it... it it felt padded out. It felt like it did have an amazing story. It's a father and a son connecting and bonding through you know absence and the death of the uh, mother and wife and so forth. And it is this beautiful, amazing graphical adventure with with all this stuff. But there's so much shoved in, just fat to lengthen it so it can compete for for screen time with these other titles and um, you know multiplayer games and things like that. That it also or it felt too long. Mm -hmm. And I would have gladly paid, you know, the full price, the sticker price for something that was almost half the length of what it was without all this extra filler because it now needs that type of stuff to compete against all of these other sort of genres and titles and and non-story-driven things. I I also get that I'm older now. Mm. So your tastes and your wants and different things change. and, And, you know, I like the story part versus... You know, uh, my friends' eight-year-olds or only want to go home and play, uh, watch either watch someone play Fortnite or play Fortnite because they can play it and there's there's it's ongoing.
2: Do Do you think there needs to be like a can film festival Sundance for video games?
3: Uh, BAFTA BAFTA kind of does. Yeah. They, they they try to elevate games that um, and they don't actually give away uh, give out awards every year. But um, every time a game deserves an award, uh, the BAFTA critics will will give them one. So uh, so yeah, they've they've given say uh, Journey and. Um, uh, the Lost of Boston, a couple of other titles.
2: Because I was thinking about Lady Bird. And the reason Lady Bird's get made mm. is they know they can play the festival circus. They yeah. can hit Sundance. They can hit Toronto. Maybe they can hit Cannes and others. Uh, and then, then they'll be able to find a distributor. They'll be able to go out into the landmark cinemas in the U.S. And I'm sure there's equivalents in other countries uh, where, where they will play the arthouse film. So they know they'll get a return. Mm. And it, and maybe it'll you know shoot up through the ceiling. I don't know that video games have quite the infrastructure for indie games well, like that yet.
3: I don't know. I mean, Steam, you know, y- Steam has things like uh, uh, The Stanley Parable and mm-hmm. uh, little games like that that, you know, there's no way that that game could ever afford to start on an Xbox. It might be ported later, but mm-hmm. it has to start on a PC. It has yeah, to yeah. start as an indie um, and then kind of go from there. And, and hopefully uh, we'll see some of that stuff on the Switch as well because I, I think that would be great. But j- I mean, there are your indies like that. What was the Firewatch is the other one everyone loves? Yeah. Um, so there, there are those kind of – is that the Lady Bird video Maybe. game that we're thinking
4: yeah. of?
2: yeah. Is Firewatch it, the Lady Bird of video game? It's
4: not too far off. Well, it's, a lot of people call it a walking simulator because yeah. you literally just walk around and follow a story. <laughs> <laughs> so there's not much more to it. But they've got an, a very exciting new game coming up called In the Valley of Gods by the same people, which is, looks really interesting exploring um, Egyptian t- uh, tombs and so forth back in like the mummy era sort of
2: well, I guess what I'm doing is I'm putting together the fact that E3 as much as you know you're preparing for you mm. kind of know what you're going to get
4: oh definitely you you know ahead of schedule what what the big ticket items are there's probably one or two potential sort of big reveals but a lot of them are uh, leaked like Walmart Canada leaked one of the mass, massive uh, reveals from Bethesda with Rage 2 coming out so um, you know all, all of this stuff, whether it was leaked on purpose or leaked by accident, it's sort of yeah, it, it stammers out beforehand, so they can control their own message and yeah. get it out there and build that buzz. And and E three turns into not a, not a press coverage event, but a, an opportunity for people to go and play games.
3: Well, I mean, to be fair, that's what Can has been for the last, like, 30 years. So I guess that really has
1: become...
2: You know, it has well, in my head, E3 is CinemaCon, mm. which is in Las Vegas... You never hear much about it because it's the the, the it was the movie studios coming out to the theater owners and saying, "This is when Superman will come. This is when Spider Man yeah. will come." Like these are all the big things. And and I don't know that there's a Sundance of video games yeah. where yeah. you can be surprised and and you don't know quite what's out there. Maybe you don't need it. Maybe Steam is you know mm, that's a good yeah. point. You you kind of don't need a distributor deal when you can just put it out on Steam.
4: I I'd say things like packs. A, a kind of like that's a really sort of yeah PAX sort of is a things. bit that you're right like you, you're right uh, you look at the uh, the games that were involved in um, Indie Game the movie like mm-hmm. Super Meat Boy and uh, Braid Fez, Fez. Yeah. even the, GDC has a little geez, bit of that yeah, flavor too um, one that, that comes straight to mind is a, a title called uh, Dre uh, the, the Dragon Cancer, or the That, that Cancer Dragon, yes, or yes, yes. which was a, a, a game that a father made for his daughter who had um, cancer at a very young age and sadly passed away, and that was his way of dealing with it. There was a, a documentary made around that, which I originally saw at the Melbourne Film Festival, which led me to the game. Um, but it that little circuit of... Um, shows like Pax where they showcase upcoming or Pax Rising uh, is the name they give them titles is a way for a lot of indie developers to get out on the All scene right. and,
2: and Pac- Pax Pax like. is the sundance of video games. I think <laughs> I think you 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 you've figured it out. <laughs> Anything else before we uh, we move along to the next one? See you in LA? Oh right, yeah, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> uh right. Let's finish up with Peter's discussion topic. What do you got for us?
3: Uh, I, I was just um, you know, really interested in seeing uh, the Google I.O. announcements, um, specifically uh, the Digital Wellbeing Initiative. Uh, and this was something uh, I wrote um, about at the start of the year, actually, about trying to kind of disconnect a little bit more from the phone. And I know I'm not uh, unique in, in writing that. Um, I know a lot of people have kind of come to that idea that something has to be done about how much we kind of devote to... Uh, the the tiny little glass in our life
2: Mm. um, the black mirror
3: yes indeed yeah I know and I don't want to get like I I know some people can
2: take I saw some ABC News uh, Australian Broadcasting Company news promos of Mm. like technology it promised so much but it's ruining like that is the hot way to pitch that story Mm. but there is a reality behind it
3: yeah, absolutely, and and I, I really like what I saw from Google. I think that they're, they're doing um, you know the, the, all of all of the stuff that they showed about kind of telling you when you had spent maybe too much time on your phone, uh, and gently asking you if you really want to continue or you know t- uh, draining all of the color out of your screen if you had been uh, you know been on your phone after a certain amount of time. Yeah. Um, are just really nice, subtle, and also kind of playful ways of saying like, "Hey, not judging, buddy, but you know, maybe, maybe get outside." Um, and and it's really, I find it really frustrating as an iOS user uh, that you can you can already kind of get stuff in the Play Store that can because of the way Google has written Android that can kind of take over your phone and really force you off the phone if you need if you want that. Um, to be there. With your whereas, permission. With your yeah, permission, yeah. exactly. I mean,
2: there's also malware that yeah, does yeah, that, yeah, but that yeah. usually
3: gets kicked out of the place. <laughs> um, or, you know, it pretends to be Facebook. But right. <laughs> uh, yeah, but whereas in iOS, of course, you know, that... Uh, third-party app developers don't have that um, that power over the operating system. So they're, they're relying on – oh, sorry, we're relying on Apple to actually build some of this stuff into the system. And And I find it really interesting, actually, now that I've actually started giving my two-and-a-half-year-old an iPad, really gently introducing an iPad to her. Like, we've been, you know, showing it to her for just a couple of minutes at a time, mm-hmm. and she can't watch any videos on it. It has to always be an active Uh, you know, uh, engagement. Mm -hmm. It has to be she's playing with something or whatever. She can't just sit down and watch... Some kind of game or or educational thing. Exactly, exactly. Um, And that has been going okay, but I kind of wish that there were more tools built in. Like, right now I can can stop her from buying in-app purchases. Right. I can't give her a really friendly way of saying that the iPad only works from 6 p.m. till 8 p.m., and... And if she's been on for more than 30 minutes, it's going to slowly kind of fade to black and tell her to get up and do something else. And, of course, I'm in the room. I'm not trying to say that yeah, she has to be, you know, like my iPad has to do Maybe take parenting.
2: responsibility, Dad. Yeah, yeah no, Dad, right, right. right. <laughs> no, well, but you, you need a helping hand. Pa- people, people who say that are often not parents because if you're a parent, you know, like, mm, it's mm. it's much easier said than done.
3: Absolutely. And, and you know, the, the iPad, uh, like I said, we are really slowly introducing this because we don't want um, – it to become something that she's obsessed with, and even after a couple of weeks, she is already like, "Hey, where's the iPad? Can we play with the iPad? Hey, where's that iPad going? Fun, yeah, yeah, because it is it yeah, just exactly. works. I mean, it's like the size of a you know widescreen TV for
2: her perspective. It's and the size it. of well, the iPad Pro is the mm. size of the television I had growing up. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> thirteen inch. So that's like, pretty much it. Yeah. Mm.
3: But but you know when I look at it anyway, like take that outside, like take the parental stuff aside. I actually need my phone to look after me, mm-hmm. and my my time on my phone more far more than I I you know I'm watching her her use of technology. I am more concerned with my own use of technology, and I know how bad I am at like disconnecting from mm-hmm. email, disconnecting from Slack, disconnecting from Twitter, and and uh, I'm just wondering like w- do you guys have any of those kind of um a- any of those systems in
4: place, Raj? Uh, kind of, yeah. If, if I'm writing, I air gap myself. I, I literally cut off any network connection because I cannot concentrate on anything except my writing. I can't even have music unless it's sort of a classical, um, something I can't tap my foot along I'm to. I'm the same way. It, like really, Anything with words will yeah, pull me out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I really have to sort of ink. Uh, cocoon myself in a uh, an environment that I, I cannot be distracted by things. And in my new, uh, I just started a new role, a day job, a few months ago. <clears throat> excuse me. And it's a lot more. It's a lot of learning. You're all coming up to speed with new systems and tools and stuff like that. My multitasking has gone out the window. I really need to dedicate myself to being focused on the one particular task that I'm doing, completing that task, and then moving on to the next task. Whereas before, I'm in, in roles that I've done for years and years and years, it was very much, oh, I'll pick this off here and I'll do this here and so forth. Like this. It's, it's a little different to um, setting a timer on, on my engagement with the technology but uh, I, I just can't do that in terms of, of my work responsibilities at the moment. But um, yeah, like I, I really need to shut down some notifications. Notifications are the worst thing ever for me. I, I, I really struggle with the Slack ones. They've gone. I cannot have Slack is only there when I need to be in Slack. Yeah. Um, email, same thing. Um, they, they, I'll either shut them down or, or shove on that Do Not Disturb, and and go from there. But in terms of um, the, the devices telling me it's time to stop, it's probably something I should have. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Like it's something that I should be uh, far more conscious of. Um, I I know that I, I spend all day at work with computers. I come home. I'm spending all, all night at work with computers. The only time that I'm not on the computer is when I'm setting up a video camera to review something for the computer. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like it, it is an ongoing cycle that, that never seems to end. Um, that I'm sure my eyes are screaming for, for help or relief from um, and even like the, the the flux stuff the blue screen like the, the mm-hmm. it's night time we're going to do- I hate that get it off I, I, Really? give me the color give oh I me- love the orange I, I can't because I'm looking at graphics or I might be doing some design well, like, yeah, and i like okay. no no, no no go away so it's all turned off I need to yeah really shut it I, I, I deal
2: I I like to uh, and, and this is a this is a bad thing I'm not, not I'm not I'm not saying it's a good thing, but I like to congratulate myself on my ability to manage my devices. I'm very stingy with notifications. I'll often have people say, well, why why don't you have your notifications on for Instagram? Or why don't you read Facebook more often? Did you miss this and that? And I'm like, I don't want to be disturbed. But I think I'm fooling myself. By doing that, in that I've eliminated the one thing that I hear the complaints most about, like, oh, notifications, they kill me. I'm like, yeah, well, I keep those under control. But I'm still pulled back in. Mm-hmm. I'm still always like, well, I better check my email. Well, I, I better go back through Slack and, and see what people have said. And then that gets you stressed out because you run into a problem or a complaint. or you know, And, and in the job that I do, I run into complaints all the time because people can just email in whatever – they're upset about, whether it's the change in time of the roundtable on Monday or the audio quality was off one day or something. And so I I think it stresses me out more than I realize just because of the content of the mm-hmm. communication, oh, sure. not so much the usage of it, which is why when we've talked about this before on the show, I'm, I'm like, we need more research. I'm not saying that what Google is doing is bad. I'm sure Apple's going to have more at WWDC about this. I, I, I have no doubts about it. But they're just trying things that sound like they would work, right? They sound like, oh, maybe that's a good idea. But then you hear Raj like, no, don't gray out my screen. It's like, okay, well, it's not going to work for everybody. What's the stuff that will actually help us deal with this? Because I, I have no doubt that this is a new challenge to humanity that we will figure out. But we're in the process of learning responsible use of these devices and connectivity.
3: Yeah, and I – I I'm just really surprised I guess that Apple haven't taken the lead on this because that that seems to be the kind of area that they would do well in that they are they they tend to be the company that thinks about how the human interacts with the product yeah not right. just the product Where liberal arts meets yeah, yeah exactly yeah, yeah. yeah and 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 funnily enough i think the the people who have done it best have were, were, were blackberry a couple of years ago they had a device um that no one bought so um you know this is going to be new to everyone listening but um they had a device that uh you could set that after you know my, my work hours were 8, 8 a.m to 6 p.m and at 6 p.m all notifications from certain apps stop and and then they disappear. The apps actually disappear until the next day. And, and I kind of feel that that's, you almost need to go that far because, yeah, in terms of email, uh, so basically I've got one set of notifications on on my phone completely, and that is uh, my wife can notify me. Uh, mm-hmm. she, she can get through. Yeah. Everyone, everything else is silent. I, I don't even see the pop-ups. But um, even then, I still see every now and again, I'll look down and I'll see that Outlook. Uh, application icon, and I want to tap it. Yeah, and it's and, got a number on it. Right? Mm, well, yeah. no, 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 no. I have no numbers on anything. Oh, it's just either. the dot. Yeah, yeah. Do, that's enough. No, no, not even the dot.
2: I, I just see the icon. You don't even see a notification. Yeah, yeah I, I have oh. no dots at all. And, and you're and, just drawn to the siren song. Exactly, but might be in there. It's almost worse. I know. I know. <laughs> Who might have emailed me? Yeah, yeah. What if no one did? I know. Well, that's and that's the thing. It's
3: just like it. You know that. Like, I've, I've had to get into my head, and, and I think if you, if you stop looking at it for a couple of weeks, it's like anything, you know, the, once you've, you've stopped opening your email after a certain point, you realise that, like, the world didn't burn down around yeah. you, and, and, you know, you, you get a little bit... I mean, obviously, some people have jobs where they can't, um, but I am lucky enough to have a job where I can most of the time. Um, but, yeah, you just... You, you have to understand, that, like you were saying, that it's, it's actually the content that's going to either bum you out all night Um, Because, like, how often do you open up an email and it's, like, your boss saying, oh, a bit disappointed. And, you know, well, it's Saturday. If I reply now, it's going to be weird and I'm in a bad mood now and so I probably should wait till I've calmed down. And then I'm just going to stew about it all night and, you know, it's just ruined my weekend. And Mm -hmm. anyway, and then Monday, it's no big deal.
2: I think that's the bigger problem because, you know, muting notifications or turning the screen different colors or whatever – is certainly helpful in, in in limiting our exposure to it. But like you said, just seeing that icon, right? And and I do the same thing. I don't have notifications on for email at all from anyone. Mm. But I will constantly like, well I better check. I better yes, see what's yeah. in there. That's the thing we need help figuring out is like, how do you stop yourself from doing that? I'm pretty good in the evenings about saying, you know what, I'm just gonna set that aside and I'm not gonna look at it until tomorrow. But then sometimes I feel guilty, ridiculously, that like, oh, there was an email and I missed it, mm-hmm. you know. And my wife, her job, they're cunt seven days a week, you know. They're, they're always expecting a response because they have clients involved or whatever. And that culture needs to change. Yeah.
4: One of the greatest things, and, and Pete, you alluded to it with, um, you know, whether you can or you can't with your job. But one of the best things that I ever did was maybe two years ago, take my work email off my phone. I can no mm, longer mm-hmm. check my email for work unless I am sitting at my work laptop or desktop or anything like that. Uh, not only did I I extended that out to Slack as well, took took Slack off completely off my phone, and the world changed. Like I no, no longer was I. Bummed out because I got an email about something that wasn't working it, because it wasn't my job to fix it until right I was yeah. in, w- at yeah, work yeah. so why should I be concerned or, or worrying or anxious or, or building up this anxiety when there's nothing I can do about it? I might not even be anywhere near a computer that I could do anything about it. so why throw that on myself um, and it's I've never back. I never look back I will never ever unless it's an absolute requirement of my job half my work email or main communication that is supposed to be used at work on me all the time. And it just completely changed my world. The other thing that I did was force myself to read at night. Like I would set an 11 p.m. that I would normally go to bed around midnight. 11 p.m., shut everything down, go to bed and read a book. Mm -hmm. One great book that I read, Tom Merritt's oh, Pilot please, X. Stop. <laughs> Thank you, though.
2: <laughs> Pilot X available in bookstores now.
4: <laughs> I actually read that by audiobook, so I'm lying. sequel coming. <laughs> um, yeah, no, but that that again, I, I self imposed that I would take myself away from the situation, even including playing video games, because it doesn't switch my brain off. It yeah. would actually stimulate my brain and, and keep me more awake. So it was very much a. Um, a, de- a decision to to take myself out of that situation let my brain wind down and and get into a, a sort of normal sleep pattern um, and I am, would advocate that everyone do something like that. I think it's great for mindfulness. And I, I am sure, I am 100% sure that Apple or Google or, or there was a big push for mindfulness and tech and health technology maybe about four or five years ago, maybe when health sort of sort of started kicking around. Mm-hmm. And then it all just went, shoo, mm. just worked. Well, we, were, we got some treadmills that worked with HealthKit, And And, uh, you know, or well, we can tell you if you're having a heart attack because you're wearing a watch now, yeah. maybe. Uh, it, but. The actual uh, mindfulness side of it was left to app developers, which I believe it was the ABC, again, the Australian Broadcast, did a. um a recent uh, piece on saying that 80 or 90% of mindfulness apps are complete and utter garbage.
2: <laughs> yeah, that's the thing. It's like it's, it's more, you need more than just, hey, we came up with an idea that sounds cool. Like you you need to pair that, trying that with study to see like well, what effect did it have? Did it actually help people? Let's, you know, and, and I think that's the job of academia to kind of jump in and cooperate with that. All right, we've got a couple of bonus things here. Uh, first one is from me. I know both of you have preached uh, the gospel of contactless payments, and and I, I have intellectually realized, I have intellectually known that, yes, it's more common in Australia, uh, but we do have it in the U.S., so I, I get how it works. Man, can I tell you, it is not the same <laughs> at all. When I can go to a pie shop in Barama, which is, you know, population 20— And pay with my iPhone and they don't even blink. They're like, yeah, I think that works. Like everywhere – it it changed travel for me because I didn't have to think about, well, is this card going to work or do do I need to get cash? Just always the better option is to use my phone Mm. uh, to pay. And I maybe – of all the transactions I've made over the past week and a half, two or three have been like, Oh yeah, that's not going to work. Uh, a couple of times it didn't work for other reasons involving the bank being weird. Like, nah, we're not sure if that's you, but that's good. That's different. Uh, but most of the time it's just dead simple. Like, Y- y'all are right <laughs> <laughs> yeah no it's it is one of
3: the weird little frustrations about going to the u s is um cash. you just forget that cash is still used in places, and then it becomes i mean there there are a couple of places that I visit regularly that. Uh, you know, ask for cash if you're spending less than $5. And sure. That's it. That's, yeah. that's as much as... We were at the Victoria Market, mm-hmm.
2: which is this big, vast market, you know, full of vendors. The kind of place you wouldn't expect credit cards. Oh, almost like everybody. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like a huge Pikes, yeah. right? Uh, in Seattle, if you're not aware. Uh, so you wouldn't expect everybody to have credit cards, but they almost all did, except for the Bratwurst place <laughs> <laughs> that I bought. And they're like, oh, cash only. I'm like, Ah! And I was 70 cents short. Mm. The guy was like, that's fine. So I went and I got 70 cents from my sister who wasn't with me at the time. And I gave it to him and he was appreciative. But it was the one exception that proved the rule because yeah, I yeah. hadn't even thought about getting cash yeah. because I hadn't needed it up mm. until that point.
3: <clears throat> yeah, when, when Fitbit uh, released their, their latest watch, the Versa, um, they, it's an optional extra to get contactless payments in the U.S. And it's, it just comes standard here because they know that well, and the they stupid- could not sell it.
2: The stupid thing is we had con- we had tap cards and yeah. in- tried to be introduced and they were the the machines were put in and it just didn't catch on and I don't know why. Mm-hmm. Uh and when Apple Pay and and what's now Google Pay uh came out originally uh they they worked and then Companies would come in, like, my local drugstore and turn it off. Like, oh, we don't want it to work with Apple Pay. It's just ridiculous. So. Yeah. Uh, the other bonus question comes from a doctor who says, what do they think of all the foods generally thought of as Australian, such as Marmite and Vegemite? Why do they both have mite in the name?
4: Marmite isn't Australian. It's English, it's right? It's English, yeah. yeah. And it was the original. So Vegemite, I, I researched this today. <laughs> Vegemite was, came about because there was a Marmite shortage in Australia. And this guy uh, created it and its name was picked out of a hat. Well,
3: there you go. Yeah.
4: yeah. <clears throat> um, what do we think about it? I love it. Screw grew up on the stuff. I mean, but the Vegemite is the one everyone knows,
2: because I think, because of uh, the song, Men at Work song. Yeah, uh, yeah. That's,
4: that's how uh, yeah. everyone learned yeah. about Vegemite. Yeah. But, but it, It's essentially the remnants from the brewing process of beer. Yeah, so the yeast extract and so forth.
2: And I got criticised on Instagram for not having enough butter on my Turkish bread with my Vegemite. Oh, yeah,
4: well, yeah, yeah. fair enough too. Well, yeah, yeah. It's, it, I mean, it's a trick
3: for new players that you, you use way less Vegemite than you expect because it, it is.
2: That's the mistake Americans make. Yeah, yeah.
3: Because yeah. it is quite horrid, and it's been fun to uh, to teach my two year old that she she has to eat Vegemite um, because it's it's fun watching someone try it for the first time and and see just how
2: disgusting it is. <laughs>
3: <laughs> but it's like, look, you're Australian, you must eat this. So yeah. just,
2: just
4: just battle on huh? small
2: amounts <laughs> and then with butter that's the key mm-hmm. yeah.
4: it's also it's also very good for um, mouth ulcers so it's finally bee extract and mm. um yeah if you have a, a an ulcer you can just dab. it'll sting like buggery well, there's <laughs> there's an Australian co buggery, <laughs> but it will um it, it's actually good for them yeah. yeah. Well, and then well, so I, I was told could be wiped out. Now I don't
2: know if these are pan Australian or just the regions I was in, but schnitzels, schnitties, schnitties, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, there's another one. That, goes. <laughs> yeah. that was another thing I've noticed. Uh, Australians tend to just like to take words and shorten them,
4: or if it's short, add an O on the end and make it longer. Like, uh-huh. like if your name's Dave, you'll be Dave O. Dave O. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Saint Vincent de Paul thrift
2: shop. We have those in the U.S., but they're Vinnies <laughs> here. Some Vinny's McDonald's there. not short enough. Macca's, yep. yep. yeah. Yeah. Uh, so so, there's some there's some other Australian trends that I've noticed uh, <laughs> in going around any other foods though? pies you guys have great pies meat pies yeah. yeah there
4: is a really good place in downtown LA called uh, Aussie Bottom Pies or something like that I stay really? right next door to it yeah mm. they do Australian meat pies lamingtons um, pasties uh, which is like a I don't know empanada sort of stuff. Yeah, yeah. Thing. We um, call them
2: pasties, but yeah, same thing. Yeah. Uh, and then yeah, it sounds like yeah. a stripper, so yeah. it's,
4: it's probably better the way yeah. you say. <laughs> well, that's what I was going to stay. Schnitz. <laughs> <laughs> there's a, there's a, another colloquialism. Oh, yeah. okay. Um, yeah. So yeah, they're actually really good. Uh, I, I, I wish I could remember. There's Aussie Aussie pies. If you look hmm. it up in downtown, yeah, LA. Right yeah they're actually quite good. Um, yeah. There's there's that's Vegemite's a big one, really. Yeah, yeah. I think so. Tim th- Tams.
2: Oh, Tim Tams, yeah.
3: Yeah, yeah Vegemite and Tim Tams, that's our, our entire kind of gift to the world. And that's, that's, that's where we ended. And Wi-Fi. Mm. Oh, yeah, Wi-Fi.
4: Yeah, yeah. 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 We developed Wi-Fi.
2: Wi-Fi was developed in Australia. Developed I don't think people right? know that,
4: yeah. Yeah, yeah the uh, government-funded Australian Science Bureau. That's certainly is something people should realize. Yeah, there's a whole TV campaign about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There
2: you go. Yeah, if you're using Wi-Fi right now, thank an Australian. You'll find one eating veggibitinary nearby <laughs> at a pie shop. Uh, all right, uh, thank you guys for doing this. this was this was great fun. I know you you had to rearrange your schedules to come down here and uh, and I really appreciate it. So so uh, Raj, starting with you, where can people find what you're doing online?
4: Uh, you can find me at reckoner.com.au. Uh, we just launched a new podcast called I Don't Quite Know, which you will be hit up for sure. Yeah, I will be honored. <laughs> uh, it's, a, it's a podcast where I talk to a bunch of people that I've met around the world about something that they're not quite known for. Oh. So uh, the pilot episode was with an Australian video game presenter called Stephanie Ben Dixon, and we talked about um, the anxiety of content creation and being a woman and being on TV and. Um, body image and all those types of things. So, yeah, it's been really well received and uh, it's a part of our, our Patreon launch. So if you want to jump on that train, by all means, it's just go to reckoner.com.au slash Patreon. Um yeah. And that's where you find pretty much everything from me these days. Excellent. Uh
2: Peter Wells, thank you as well. Uh where can folks find what you're doing?
3: Oh uh, thank you. Um yeah, follow me on Twitter, uh Peter Wells, um I, it, I'm sure it'll be in the show notes. Uh and I, I'm actually launching something too. Um which is kind of cool. Uh, 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 the age has finally given me a, a column to talk about podcasting, uh, which might be near and dear to the listeners' heart. So, uh, yeah, so that's going to be fun. I'm going to um, so I've, right now I've got a weekly tech column with them, uh, and yeah, from next week I'll have a weekly podcast column as well, where I'll Fantastic. be yeah trying to um, show some of the the shows out there that I love and getting people invo- uh, you know, interested in them. So. I might actually have to talk to you as well about that.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I, I would also be interested in that myself. It's it funny at the reception for my nephew's wedding, which is the whole reason I came to Australia this time. Uh, I, I was getting hit up by a few people because they knew I was a podcaster for recommendations for other podcasts. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, you know, I mean, they were always interested. They were nice enough to be pretend to be interested in what I mine was, but then they'd say like, "Well, what else do you listen to?" And I, I've been mean, looking for good podcasts. It seems to be. There's an appetite for people to get these kind of recommendations now.
3: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I think it says a lot that I'm replacing the uh, the radio, the weekly w- radio column. So. Oh,
2: really? Yeah, that is that is kind of a milestone, mm-hmm. isn't it? That's crazy. Uh, also, huge thanks to James. You may, if you're watching the video, have seen him lurking in the background. Uh, James just had a baby, and uh, was not planning for that baby to have happened as as soon as it was. But he he stole away from Babyland to come downtown here in the CBD and set this up for us. Uh, and of course, he had to go back. but huge thanks to James uh, and CultureAmp, uh, the company that James works for that was the space that we're at. Uh, Culture Cultureamp does some really cool stuff. there from what I, I don't mean to speak for them, but from what I can gather, their mission is to make startup, culture better, to make it, to improve it, to provide analytics. We always hear analytics like, oh, analytics are being used to manipulate you, and they're saying, let's use analytics to make workplaces better for people. Uh, so that that that's a pretty cool mission uh, to be on and, and very generous to let us use this space. And uh, I believe James is uh, part of the Mac Admins podcast as yeah, well.
3: Yeah, so he's the producer of the Mac Admins podcast. It's a, it is a fine podcast. I am a Mac Admin by trade, so I do listen to it every week. Um, and if you, if you do it anything with uh, Max, more than about 50 of them uh, in an organization you should definitely be listening it's a very good listening take it from the ages
2: podcast recommendation <laughs> columnist Mac Admins, I have many hats org. Uh, hey folks if you'd like more of these round table shows uh, we usually do them, you know, the the normal way out of the studio in Los Angeles. Uh, but we did have an all Canadian uh, episode. We've had an all, all Australian episode. We we had an all space episode. We, we we like to pull them around themes and and look at all these various uh, ways of looking at technology to change the perspective. And we want to do that more often. Right now, we're doing it once a month. But if we can get two thousand more dollars in our Patreon, uh, we can do them more often. We can do at least twice a month. So think about up in your pledge. There's some perks to that. If if you haven't already, and everybody who does support us, thank you very much at Patreon.com/slash/dtns. Our email address is feedback at dailytechnewsshow.com. We're live Monday through Friday, usually at five four thirty PM Eastern, twenty thirty UTC, at AlphaGeekRadio.com and DiamondClub.tv, and our website is DailyTechNewsShow.com. In a few short hours, Sarah and Roger will be back with Patrick Major. We'll talk to you then.
0: This show is part of the Frog Pants Network. Get more at frogpants.com. Hi, this is Janice Torres from Yo Quiero Dinero. If you own or operate a business, whether it's a local operation or a global corporation, partnering with Bank of America could be your smartest move.